1: IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That dude's Ryan Roberts. You know who I am. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are uh, here, Ryan, to talk some Notre Dame football. It is our Wednesday midweek rundown, so we have some some really fun topics to talk about. Ryan and I were discussing them today, and there's just a so much to discuss right now. But what today, Ryan, we're going to talk about is, is you know obviously Notre Dame landed a big commitment this past uh, actually several. This past week, Notre Dame has landed six players since the week of the Blue Gold game, five in the 2024 class and then one in the 2026 class or 25 class. Getting a little ahead of myself. Getting a little ahead of myself. We did have an interview with a 2026 quarterback today. Uh, Well, Ryan did. I shouldn't say we. He did all the work. (laughs) I I (laughs) I I love interviewing
2: 14 year olds, man. It's so weird.
1: (laughs) It's so weird. But we're going to talk a little recruiting today and we're going to talk about uh, several topics. Number one is. What's the finish got to look like for Notre Dame, right? Off to a great start, top five class. I think right now, uh, I, I'm going to check it real quick, but I think they are number three on rivals. I think they're number four on two, seven, two, 24-7 sports. No one cares what the on three rankings are, uh, but let me just check what those are uh, real quick. So to that, and, and rivals, Notre Dame is currently third, right behind Ohio State and Michigan at number one, ahead of LSU and Georgia, who are four and five. Notre Dame is also, when you look at the 2 four, seven team rankings, the composite, they are fourth just behind Georgia. And then, of course, Ohio State and Michigan are one and two. They're head of LSU and Penn State. So, obviously, Notre Dame's doing well right now, Ryan. If you look at their average star rankings, also a very solid number right now. Uh, Notre Dame is at, uh, doing very well, in my opinion, when you look at those things, when you look at kind of how they're stacking up against some of those other teams. So, let's kind of dive into today how they're going to finish. Maybe talk about some potential surprises that we could see maybe come signing day. What would need to happen for that to happen? We're going to get in some team conversation. We're going to talk about which spring breakout players did we see that either flashed breakout or were just pure breakouts. Which ones are most important to, the, to this team in the fall for them to con- continue that success in the fall? And then the third topic is we're going to talk about the transfers. We're going to talk about the players at Notre Dame that transferred out. And, and, and sort of what are the concerns about those players leaving? Not about the concerns about the team or if there's an issue, we all understand why they left and, and I have no issue with why they left. I don't necessarily agree with every player that left uh, as far as whether it was or was not the right decision in my opinion, but I, I think none of them were any, you know, there's a problem at Notre Dame that has to get addressed. It's just, this is the problem of college football and Notre Dame is, is no different than everyone else, but more so looking at it practically. What are the concerns about each of them leaving? We'll talk about Buckner and Diggs and, and Styles and Collie since those are the guys that are the kind of the post-spring guys that left. I'll be honest, I'm surprised more guys didn't leave, to be completely honest with you. I'm surprised more guys that are a little bit bigger than the depth chart didn't leave. I think that, if anything, shows a little bit more good health of the program, that the only guys that left are guys that got beat out by other people or – I think in Logan Diggs' case, that was, I mean, that's just been an issue for him since he got to Notre Dame. You know, it is what it is, just wants to be closer to home. I got no ill will for the kid. Played his butt off for Notre Dame this past year. It is what it is. What are the concerns though? Practical concerns about them leaving. And then also what needs to happen in Notre Dame for them to be okay with those guys leaving? Because I think there needs to be a fair conversation, right? It's not so wow, they're loaded there. Well, they're loaded there if dot dot dot. Right certain things happen, right? But if certain things don't happen, then it is problematic. And so we don't need to overreact to guys leaving, but we can also underreact at times. So we're going to kind of look at it from both angles today uh, and, and talk about that from a transfer standpoint as well, right? But I want to start off with some recruiting. I know that makes you happy. I, I want to talk about, obviously, right now, Notre Dame is on the verge of, they're they're building really a, a third straight, really good recruiting class, and a second straight really balanced, really good recruiting class. The reason I say that is, I think the 2022 class was very good, but it had holes. True no safety in that class. Only one wide receiver. Uh, quality quarterback, but not to the degree, in my opinion, that they've gotten in the, in the couple classes later. Unless Steve Angeli proves me wrong, which I hope he does, because I like the kid. I think he's a great kid. Just I don't see it. I got to be honest. I don't see it on film. I, there's just I, I don't see that tools, but there were just some, there were some misses in that class, Ryan, at, at certain spots, but it was still a, a good, strong top 10 class. Last year's class, as everybody knows, I view that as a top five class. I don't care what the rankings say. There are not more than five. You could argue six, but that's as far as I go about classes that I would trade for Notre Dame's. That That's how I evaluate it. Like who would I trade for Notre Dame's? And there's not that many. They're in the process of building another one, Ryan, but it will be determined by how they finish. So we're going to talk about the areas where we're really confident where things are and then the areas where there's some legitimate concern about how they're going to finish and then talk about some surprises. But when we first look at it, Ryan, there's no doubt they're in the process of once again building a really, really good class. And the key we've always said, you've got to stack them on top. Yes. And that's what the staff is in the middle of doing right now with the 2024 class.
2: I mean, yeah, and there's some positions that are perfect examples of that, which obviously we'll get into, Brian. But, like, for me, it's like if you have one great recruiting class and then you're just average the next couple years, there's going to be once in a blue moon where you are a really good football team because everything aligns and everything hits. You know, like, I mean, we saw it with LSU over – the course of their career. It's like 2019. Fantastic. 2018. Not quite as good. 2020, not quite as good. Like you can always hit when you have one Supreme recruiting class, the teams though, that are sustainable, the teams that on a year to year basis are really good football teams. You think about Georgia, you think about Alabama, you think about Ohio state, even like putting them into that conversation, right? The teams that recruit quality talent on a year in and year basis, because w- you have to ask yourself of why do they keep recruiting that way, right? One, they keep winning. Two, a lot of the players are comfortable with how the, how players before them were developed, right? Like it, we can say all oh, we want about the Ohio State quarterback thing, go into, the, to go into the NFL, right, about that stigma. But it's a very easy sell for C.J. Stroud to go to Ohio State when the guy
1: before him is Justin Fields, for instance, right?
2: right? It's like well, wow, And the guy be before him
1: guy. was Dwayne right. Haskins, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly, yes.
2: I mean, because we talked about the Ryan Wingo thing yesterday. It's like, yeah, Ryan Wingo is hesitant on Notre Dame, for instance, because it's like, I don't want to be the next, you know, insert player that was good player at Notre Dame, but maybe not an elite player at Notre Dame. I want to be the Jerry Judys of the world, right? I want to be those first-round draft picks that are, going to be developed in college and are potentially, you know, going to be the Jamar chases of the world at the next level. Like that's the trajectory they're looking at. So it's not a coincidence that the really good football teams continue to recruit very well because winning matters and development matters. And that's what Notre Dame is trying to show. You know, we'll talk about wide receiver here today, for instance, but Notre Dame is recruiting at a high level at wide receiver, for instance, despite not having a ton of production at that position over the last couple years, despite still trying to turn it to the next level. So when you look at that, I think that there's obviously not coincidences there, but Notre Dame, I think, is is trying to really stack not only the strong positions, but really trying to turn the tide and what people's perceptions are of certain positions, which I think will help moving forward, obviously.
1: Let's talk about where Notre Dame is strong right now right um, what's the foundation of this class so far obviously you've got a big time quarterback and five star on the IB board uh, a guy that that is I think a top 40 player according to everyone except for on three who's a little a little wacky with some of their rankings obviously and it's not an anti Notre name thing because they have Anthony Hap much higher than I do they have Isaiah Canyon ranked higher than anybody else by a mile so it's not an anti Notre Dame thing I just don't think the rankings are consistent or make any sense there's a ton of hypocrisy uh, contradictions, I should say, is probably a better term in how they do things, but five-star quarterback, now a big-time receiving class, all right, it was Cam Williams for like 10 months of just Cam Williams, and now it's, it's just, it's outstanding, you've got Cam Williams, Isaiah Canyon, and now Micah Gilbert, you have a very good tight end, one of the, the best hands in the country at tight end, you have a very good corner class, or at least the potential of a good corner class, one guy I really like, Another guy in Carson Hobbs, I'm not as high on, I just have to be honest, I'm not as high on other people of the film, but people who I really trust to evaluate corners, even more than I trust myself in some regards, are very high on Carson Hobbs, so, you know, there's a lot of excitement, I think, on the Notre Dame end about that one-two punch at cornerback, and the defensive line class also has taken a big jump in the last couple of weeks, adding Cole Mullins, and Bryce Young on top of Owen Wafel. Now, for me, Ryan, the two highest ranked guys I have in this class on defense are both defensive linemen right now. Cole Mullins is my number one guy. Owen Waifel is my number two guy. And then I have Leonard Moore, number three. So I'm I'm very high on those two players. I'm much higher on Owen Wafel than other people. I know you are also because you've always been very high on Owen Waifel. I I had to kind of come around after his junior year. You've been like, hey, I see a lot of potential in this kid from day one. Yeah. So when I when I look at it, I, I I say, look, those are the strengths so far. OK, so but what is going to need to be the finish? Because if Notre Dame doesn't finish strong, this number three, number four ranked class becomes number 14, just like that, if they don't finish well. So let's talk about the areas right now where the finish is important, Ryan, and the areas where we are confident that Notre Dame will In our opinion, finish well. And right now, the position where I'm the most confident the Notre Dame's going to finish well is a position that we've been very hard on and concerned about in the past. And it's the defensive line. When you look at the board right now, Ryan, closing is needed. But I feel, I feel as far as a position where more is needed, they could stop recruiting receivers right now, and it's it's an excellent class, right? D line more is needed. We're going to focus on the positions where more is needed. That is a position, as of right now, of all the positions I look at, Ryan, I'm probably most confident right now with where things stand that the next two guys on the board, because five is the minimum, the next two guys on the board are going to be really good football players. Much more confident now than I was even two weeks ago when we were talking about the Smith twins were good players. But, you know, are they really needle movers? And, and now the class looks completely different and they're in position to really finish strong. So I think that's where we have to begin. And, and not just from a recruiting ranking standpoint, which I don't really care about. I'm more talking about, are you putting a championship football team on the field? Finishing strong on the defensive line is of the utmost important for, uh, importance of knowing the 24 class. And I'm a whole lot more confident they're going to finish strong now than I was a month ago. And that's big for Notre Dame.
2: You know, you know what's funny about recruiting rankings real quick though is that when Owen Waple committed to Notre Dame, I remember he was considered a top 200 recruit by at least one service and then he goes out and has a dominant junior year and all of a sudden he's a three-star by basically everyone, which is just absolutely hysterical to me. It really is just how some of this recruiting stuff works as far as the rankings perspective. But I'll say this, Brian. This is why I don't like the crystal ball stuff at times, right? Because two months ago, everyone's telling you this is going to be T.J. Lindsay. This is going to be the Smith twins. Like they're going to be in Notre Dame class, right? And then we we know things change, and they change very, very quickly. And the concerns that we had with the with the recruitment on the you know on the side of Al Washington and the defensive line staff, right, was troubling to say the least for a while there. Because we because let's look at the indicators here, right? Two of the more talented players on the board. Let's go with Justin Scott. For a while there, it was trending in a terrible direction with Justin Scott, and you're just like, man, that is a massive miss if you can't get a five-star defensive lineman out of the state of, out of the city of Chicago, not the state of Chicago, Catholic the city school. of Chicago,
1: at a Catholic school, a high a academic Catholic school. Catholic school, yeah,
2: whose whose family is very pro Notre Dame in the academics piece and staying closer to home piece. Like, it, it, there's a lot of things that align there. Now, flash forward to the present day, it's there's still a battle that needs to happen with Justin Scott, but you feel better about that battle right now than what you did, you know, a couple months ago as far as where it was trending. And then Elijah Rushing's another big thing, right? And and it's not even the fact that like us predicting that they'll get Elijah Rushing in the end. I really just think that it is very telling and very positive. The fact that Notre Dame has put themselves back in the position with Elijah rushing, the fact that he is going on an official visit, whether they eventually land or Elijah rushing or not, for a while there, you just weren't hearing anything from the two sides about the optimism for one another, right? And then all of a sudden, Elijah rushing, who was who's been on a visit to Notre Dame, an unofficial visit, who now has an official visit to Notre Dame, and then I hear a couple days ago that Elijah basically said Notre Dame is recruiting me as hard or harder than just about anybody that that yeah. is recruiting
1: me. So he said that, that to you. Is, so this yes, isn't something that we saw somewhere yeah, else. No. He said that to you specifically. Yes.
2: Directly. Yeah. So the fact that you are in a good position with one five-star defensive lineman, and then in another elite defensive lineman in class, you are still battling with, and it is being, it's being, it's being, it's being, it's being, it's being received well by a guy like Elijah rushing. And then the simple fact of, Hey, a couple months ago, you had one commit in the class at the, on the defensive line, and that was the only commit in the class for a long time. All of a sudden you look and you say Bryce Young, Cole Mullins. Now it's like if you get Justin Scott and then you land one of, not even including Elijah Rushing for a second, but if you land one of Logan Thomas, who they're in a much better position with than they once were, or a Malachi Williams uh, out of Pennsylvania, who's another kid that Notre Dame is in a much better position than they were a couple months ago after the visit for the Blue Gold game. You look at that and say, man, like, if you end up with Owen Waifel, Justin Scott, Bryce Young, Cole Mullins, and then one of the three other names that I mentioned, that's a dang good class, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really good.
1: I want to address a couple things about this, right? Number one yeah. is there's a narrative going on on our, on our board to a degree of people saying, well, you should take back the things you said about our Washington, or it was overstated. And I said, no, it wasn't. And I think by trying to kind of uh, retcon what had happened in the past, you're actually taking away from what he's doing now. Yeah, there's well, you know, look, it was his first year, and the board's, are, and like, you, you, the, the, what you think you're saying is not is not actually what's going on. Saying well, the board was pretty much finished. Well, that's even more inexcusable that you lost Jason Moore because you already had the rest of your class figured out, right? He did not do a good job in year one, and I think people trying to to spin the first year as some excuse for why he didn't do well. Well, why didn't that excuse matter for Chancey Stucky? Why didn't that excuse matter for Mike Mickens his first year when he couldn't even go on the road and recruit his first year? So I I just, I don't, I don't buy that. And I think you're taking away from what coach Washington is doing now. He didn't have success his first year. He knows that. And instead of making excuses or wallowing in self-pity or blaming other people, he's like, Okay, I'm at Notre Dame. This is the job I got to do. He's made some corrections and how he goes about it. Look, I was talking to Sean Davis the other day when he was having a conversation with Justin Scott, and he was talking about Coach Washington and how the difference and how they interact now from where it was before. That's a very clear difference and it's being impactful. Right. So I think in life, to me, if I have a coach who's willing to say what I did wasn't good enough and I got to do better. That says a lot more about Al Washington as a man than just saying, well, the first year is just a mulligan because of whatever. And he was always doing this. It's just, you know, no, you're taking away from the fact that this is a guy that looked in the mirror and said, this is the standard I've set for myself. This is the standard in Notre Dame, and I'm going to work my butt off to meet it. And he's and he's he's starting to do it. So I think that's a much better story. It's also true than trying to retcon last year and making excuses for last year as if like, well, he's not doing anything different. It's just results are better because of whatever reason. I'm excited about the fact that he's made those changes. And that's what you need on this staff. Cause we saw too many coaches in the past when things weren't going to go well, they would start making excuses. Well, the academics are too hard or, you know, this is just the kind of kid that we like or whatever the case may be or or we have to shop down a different aisle, or or he's not a Notre Dame kid. That was the end all be all, right? Well, he just wasn't a Notre Dame kid, meaning he wanted to win a championship. That that, you know, that is that what you refer to as not being a Notre Dame kid? Where Al Washington is not doing that. Hey, he didn't get off to a good start with Justin Scott in several ways. Some is made public and some has not been made public. But you know what he's done? He's regrouped, yes. right? And now he's doing a great job on it. Elijah Rushing, for whatever reason. Notre Dame was trailing big there for a while. Early on, things were going well, fell behind. Now they're trending again. That's great. And he's also doing a great job with Kingston Villiamo Asa, which, Ryan, yes. you've talked about. Uh, he's been, not even a defensive lineman. That's been a lineman. monumental part of that recruitment. Yeah. For
2: people that don't know that one, I mean, because they're going to assume Kingston Villamosa, who's a star linebacker out of St. John Bosco in Bellflower, California – they're going to assume that's an Al Golden project, that's a Max Bola project, and then that's, you know, maybe a a Chad Bowden, obviously, is included in all these guys, right? So I have to say Chad's name consistently. Like, if I'm talking about a recruit, Chad Bowden is a part of the recruitment. Just assume it. (laughs) Just
1: assume it. Because that's his job. I mean, and he's very, very good at it. Exactly.
2: And and Kingston has spoke high of Chad, of Al Golden, of even Max Bola recently, because he's been developing a relationship there. But one guy that you cannot talk about Kingston with with Notre Dame and not mention, you can't forget about Al Washington in that recruitment. Because why? Al Washington was the linebacker coach at Ohio State, and he had a great relationship with Kingston before he came to Notre Dame. Let's also not forget this, Brian. One of the three top schools for Kingston – is Ohio State. A lot of the reason for that is because Al yeah. Washington laid groundwork early on in that and he was still there. That, right. that matters, right? So Al Washington has also been able to be, be a big help in that recruitment as well. So if Notre Dame also lands Kingston in this class, talking about the linebacker position, you also have to give a nice little pat on the back to Al Washington there because he had a yeah. big assist in that one.
1: There's no uh, doubt. I want to talk too, Ryan. It's like you know you're doing better recruiting when when a buddy of mine calls me yesterday and he's talking to me about Malachi Williams against Logan Thomas and he's trying to say he's going to be disappointed if they get Logan Thomas because of how good Malachi Williams is. And I'm thinking, first of all, you're missing a boat a little bit on Logan Thomas. This is a good football player. But second of all, like this is like first world problems that are so different than where we were a month or two ago when you and I were talking about like, dude, they're going to end up taking this kid. I just know it, and it's I'm going to be very disappointed by it. Like there's I just where now it's like, we're, are we seriously arguing between Malachi Williams, who has one of the highest ceilings of any defensive end in the country, any anywhere, any name, any ranking, whatever, Notre Dame or not, or Logan Thomas, who's like a top 100 prospect, who is a really twitchy athletic kid who can do a lot of different things. From if, that's, well. if that's yeah. your argument of which one of those do you want, think about just how different that is from two weeks ago when we did yeah. a recruiting show and we're trying to make people feel better about potentially getting the Smith twins, right? Who are good football players. This is not a shot on the Smith twins They're good solid football players. And that's what we said at the time, but they're not needle movers. Right now. Somebody just said in the chat, take them both. I would for certain, I would sure. take them both. Sure. But the point is we're having a different conversation now than we were then. And a big part of it is not just who they might get. Cause you it's really risky to, to bank all your energy on who they might get. My good feelings right now are, are who they already have in the class. Because now it's about putting the finishing touches on it, and it allows you to narrow narrow in your focus. So, I mean, when you do look at the finish, obviously it's Justin Scott inside. Now Notre Dame is doing a good job of not putting all the eggs in the Justin Scott basket until he makes a decision. They're out today. If you're on the board, we put it out there uh, where the coaches are today. They're going to see uh, Sean Saviliano today, who's down in Tampa. There's some other interior type of guys that are on the board that they're still talking to because this staff is doing a great job of. We're just not going to assume that we're not going to put all of our resources in here at a position where we have a need. Now, you can put all your resources into one particular fourth wide receiver because if you don't get them, you're fine. You know, you can put all your resources into Carter Nelson at tight end because if you don't get them, you're fine because you're not even sure if you you have room for a second tight end yet. But at a defensive line, there's still needs remaining. But now that you have three of the five desires, guys, there are some guys you can drop off the board. There are some guys that Notre Dame was looking at. I won't say their names because it'll come across as disrespectful, but you know you and I like ah, they're solid players, there's some upside there but there, there, there's some risk involved because they just they were far from finished products and didn't have the ceilings of a Bryce Young who's also far from being a finished product. Well now it's kind of like those guys are off the board now because they got high level talents, Bryce Young from an upside standpoint, Cole Mullins, who's a guy that I like right now and also from an upside standpoint. So I feel much better about the defensive line now than I did before. It allows you to put more resources into Justin Scott and to Logan Thomas and Malachi Williams and Elijah Rushing, number one. So I think that's a great place to start, Ryan. And there's 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 a chance if they finish the way that they need to, and again, they still have to f- prove it, I think this D-line class is going to be a little bit more balanced than last year's. Last year's D-line class had every bit the upside of this year's D-line class. Even if they get right. Justin Scott and Elijah rushing or Malachi or Logan Thomas last year's D line class upside wise is every bit as good as this class upside wise. The difference is there's some higher floors in this class than last year, in my opinion, when you look at Justin Scott, who is not a finished product by any stretch of imagination, but at six five, three, 10, you're going to get away with things that, you know, 275 pound guy can't get away with yes. as you develop. Uh, Cole Mullins has a higher floor. In my opinion, I think that Malachi's floor is a lot higher now based on what I see of his body than it was watching his junior film, Elijah rushing, obviously incredibly high floor. So, and it's a different style of player, which is important as well. When you look at the rest of it though, Ryan, that's a position I feel really good about the rest of the positions, honestly are a little bit more, boy, this is going to be interesting to see how how it finishes out. Right. And I think when you look at running back, which is, there's still a need there when you look at offensive line where there's still a need When you look at linebacker where there's still a need and safety where there's still a need. There's some, there's some areas where, boy, there's some question marks, but there's another position, Ryan, that I think that Notre Dame has kind of met their need numbers wise, which is something that could allow them to finish strong. And that is corner. Yep. The fact that they already have Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs, Mike Mickens is going by to see Caleb Beasley today. That's another to see to his school to check in on Caleb Beasley. They they can't actually talk to him face-to-face. I don't believe at this point in time. But now, because you have those other two, you can put all your resources into the Aaron Scott, Caleb Beasley basket. And they love Aaron Scott. Love Aaron Scott. But from everything I've been told for months, the number one corner they've wanted from day one is Caleb Beasley. He's still talking to him. He's still listening. He's been on campus. Y- you feel better about the chance to potentially flip him down the road. It's, it's not going to be easy, but... Now that this is all Mike Mickens has to worry about, you start feeling a little bit better about this one. So that's another position where from a, a, an impact talent standpoint and a recruiting ranking standpoint, that could be one that could have a big impact as, as we move forward.
2: Well, and I, I feel like we don't talk about him enough, obviously, on this show. But Leonard Moore was such a just massive get for Notre Dame, man. And I feel like we didn't talk about it enough at the time. At least from a fan perspective, because again, I remember when he was committed to Notre Dame, there were literally a bunch of people in the chat like, this is a three star kid. This is a three star kid. Notre Dame can do better. And now we're sitting here as he's rated as a top 150 kid by at least one service. And you look at that, you say, continuing the trend in Texas, getting a 6'2, 175 pound kid with length for days, good movement skills. Leonard Moore is a really good football player. And Carson Hobbs has upside as well to develop on the next level. Like there's no doubt about it, right? So you have two corners in this class. And if you ended with a Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs, we know that the Notre Dame staff and Mike Mickens are very high on both of those players, and they would be ecstatic for having that. But that also gives you a baseline, which I think is the most important thing. It's a baseline of, I know who my guys are in this class. I have my needs met, like you said. Now Mike Mickens could say, you know what, guys? We know who our, our target is now, right? Like we know who our two guys are that we really like. We know who the guy, though, that we have a really high opinion on and a Caleb Beasley. I am going to put my emphasis and my energy on that kid because if you get a player like a Caleb Beasley at some point to, to flip from the University of Tennessee, then, Brian, I mean this completely changes my opinion of this cornerback class. I like it already. But if they get a Caleb Beasley, now I say Caleb Beasley, Leonard Moore, as your outside guys, and that might open possibilities, especially of course, when Hobbs takes a big jump as a, as a senior, I can now go, Hey man, maybe he could be a safety. Maybe he could be a nickel that could also help a couple different positions. So not only is the cornerback spot in a good spot in the sense that you hit your numbers and now you can focus on elite talent. If you do get that elite talent, I think that could bolster the entire secondary, not just the cornerback spot. Cause then you could talk about being flexible with a, Carson Hobbs with the Leonard Moore they could play a couple different positions potentially on the next level heck I mean Kayla Beasley could even play safety if you felt like it not that the need would ever be a rise there but so, I think that that really gives you
1: so could some Leonard Moore in flexibility. some some situations too right I think Leonard yeah, Moore exactly. could as well as a cover as a cover safety if the need is there absolutely yep. absolutely now let's talk about the positions where the, there is a little bit more concern about just exactly how they're going to finish. And we'll start on offense. Obviously, there's question marks on offense about what the numbers are going to look like. Do they take a fourth receiver? Do they decide to take a second tight end? I think those things are still being worked out. And the reason that there's not a rush to figure them out is because the kids that they like are not deciding anytime soon. Carter Nelson's not deciding anytime soon. Uh, And if he did, it wouldn't be for Notre Dame. And Jason Robinson, I don't believe, is deciding anytime soon. And so there's some time to kind of work all this stuff out. And then, of course, there's running back. Running back went from a luxury, in my opinion, to a need to take a second running back in the class, which is why you're seeing the board expand a little bit. Obviously, uh, they offered Xavier Robinson, right? I, yes, they, correct. It's a massive kid that they offered as a running back. Uh, when Coach Stucky went out to see him from Oklahoma, somebody asked them, like, he's about to commit to Oklahoma. Why would you do this? Well, you just saw him tweet yesterday, I think, that, hey, I'm extending my recruitment. This is exactly why you get involved, because as more schools get involved before a kid decides – then you have a greater shot of getting him to push things back. And now, you, now you've got a shot to get in the game. And now he's taking
2: yeah. his official visits. Yeah, Correct.
1: And and so now Nathaniel Palmer is a guy that they went down and saw today who's a, a, a really talented back in his own right. You still have Darian Dupree on the board. Anthony Carey and Kedron Young are coming up in June. Right now, Ryan, I'm confident they're going to land a second back. My question mark is where on the board will that second back be? Sure. Because it's one thing to just land a guy for numbers. It's another thing to land a guy with impact talent. And you know, we talked a little bit about this in a previous show at running back. I mean, right now the 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 goal right now is you've got to get one of Keedron Young or Anthony Carey. Obviously, Xavier Robinson's a guy that that you just now got a relationship with, but to me, those two guys are the must get so far in this class, right? I mean, of guys that right now you have a realistic shot at I, I don't view them as having a shot at Xavier Robinson right now, Ryan. Right? I mean, I think you just you just got on that kid, right? Yep. And he when he announced the officials he's taking, he didn't say he's taking one to Notre Dame. He said he's taking it was like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, what was it, like TCU. Something
2: like that, yeah. I think yeah. it was like
1: the third one. So Notre Dame's not in the game yet, but at least they have a shot to get in the game. He's a he's a talented back. I mean, don't don't get it <laughs> twisted. Uh, he's a very talented back at 225 pounds. I mean, that's a, a kid put up monster numbers last year. You know, who he reminds me of at, at a high school. He reminds me of a bigger version of Quinshawn Judkins. When I watched Quinshawn come out of high school, because Quinshawn was a guy too, that just wasn't fast. He just had great feet, great vision, and he just knew how to find holes. And that's how Xavier Robinson is as well. Uh, stylistically, just a much bigger version of what Quinchot was. Because I had Quinshawn as a four-star yeah. coming out of high school, right? Because yeah. Notre Dame was actually recruiting him for a while. This was before you came on. So this is a position right now, Ryan, that, that is a little bit in flux. We're going to have to see who comes up for June. It's 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 there. This isn't going to be settled anytime soon. It's going to be settled in June. Offensive line, though, Ryan, this is yeah. one right now that there's a lot of uncertainty because we just don't know where things stand with some of their top prospects. You know, Kirby Lambert, uh, Styles Prescott, Grant Bricks. Now, they will be out to see Grant Bricks today and tomorrow, see his high, to his high school today and tomorrow. They've been out to see Kevin Haywood. They've been out to see, uh, I think Al Golden is not Al Golden, but Joe Rudolph. I think he's going to see Aiden Lynch at some point in time. They just went and checked out a North Carolina offensive lineman. They were just—they just saw Eden Lynch, I think, two days ago. Or okay, and, school two days and then ago, there's yeah. another North Carolina kid that they went and saw the day that they that they were looking at that they went and saw Sullivan Absher. So I, I don't know who the next two offensive linemen are going to be. And they really they they and they need two now. Originally they it's, were going to get away with taking three, but the reason you need two now is because neither of the two guys you offered are tackles. And if Notre Dame is going to try to convince themselves that, that Anthony Knapp is a tackle, I'm just I'm concerned about yep. the evaluating ability. He's got some tools. I They like him more than I do. It's fine. It's all good. I see some tools there. I'm just not as high on him as Joe Rudolph is. But the one thing that we should all agree on is I just, you can't, if he can play tackle, great. If it works out, great. But you can't just bank on that and only take one other tackle in this class when you need two tackles in this class. And I'd say the same thing about Peter Jones. So you've almost forced yourself to take a second tackle in, in this class. So now instead of just needing one guy, you now need two. Yeah. And as of right now, Ryan, that's probably the one position where I'm the least confident in how they're going to finish. I think offensive line and safety are the two positions where I have the biggest question marks about exactly how they're going to finish. And that's just not where you want to be when you're the University of Notre Dame. You don't want to be having these big question marks on the offensive line.
2: Well, when when Coach Easton was still here, I had zero hesitation about the Notre Dame offensive line. I... Felt really good about them getting Gerby Lamberts. I felt good about them getting Caleb Brewer in the class. And I'm like, that, you know, (laughs) add that into Peter Jones and maybe one more offensive line. Like, that's a good offensive line, man. I mean, Brian, if I told you you ended with Caleb Brewer, Gerby Lambert, and Peter Jones, and maybe one other guy, you'd be feeling great about where you were from an offensive line perspective, especially after the five-man class you got in 2020, 2023. I mean, you feel good about that not – Eight to nine man haul in a two-year span. You feel really good, especially with obviously coach he stand coaching it. I mean, you feel good. But here's the here's the simple fact of it. You get a new coach. I have a good opinion of Joe Rudolph, the coach, right? The developer. I think he's going to do a really good job as a coach at Notre Dame. But the recruiting thing is something that I thought wasn't going to be a an issue or an area of question, I guess is a better way to put it, right? But you come in and There's just a different evaluation than maybe what I would see as this offensive line. I think that that's my main issue right now is like I just don't see how you could see certain guys at tackle and not see Caleb Brewer as one, for instance. Like that's just kind of my question mark, right? And the Gerby Lambert situation doesn't help anything because you just haven't – I don't know what that kid's doing, man. I really don't know, Brian. He's just like – he's like i like massachusetts i'm just gonna stay here forever like i'm not moving it's so weird maddie i mean he hasn't taken any visits unofficially officially just kind of sitting you know he was originally supposed to be there for the blue and gold game obviously and ended up not making that trip and but and i know people at, at the time were like oh man that's really terrible for notre dame and i'm just like yeah it is but also he hasn't been anywhere else though it's not like he's going somewhere else not like he canceled the notre dame trip to go down to Ten State or something, or something. exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like he's just not going anywhere. So, I think that this situation could be flipped very quickly because if you end up getting Gerby Lambert and then one other guy, you feel good about the offensive line class sure. at the end of the day, right? But there are a lot more question marks. I felt a lot better about Coach heestand closing on Gerby Lambert than what I do Joe Rudolph now, just I don't know much about that relationship that they have together. I know Harry heestand had a good relationship with Gerby Lambert's. The other on the other side, I'm not sure what Joe Rudolph's relationship is with Gerby at this point. And then to your, you know, the other part of it, I felt like for a while you're like, okay, they like Styles Prescott. They like Caleb Brewer. They're going to get one of those two, you know, to go with Gerby. And you feel good about that. Right. But now the situation is style Prescott, who is a guy that Notre Dame has liked for a while, He's just kind of in limbo right now, right? Like for whatever reason, a, a yeah. decision has not been. He's made. still
1: talking about taking more visits this summer, yeah. and you know, it, it's a yeah, it's 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 interesting. I'll just leave it that way. So, so the board
2: outside of the 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 hundred percent known is that Gerby Lambert has quickly become and and was always for a while. He's a he's a can't miss prospect yeah. in this class for Notre Dame. Meaning like meaning can't her.
1: miss when we talk about can't miss we're not saying he's not a can't miss he's going to be a great player no matter what we're saying you you can't miss him in this class meaning you can't not get him he's a must yes. get is what we're saying and, and you know the concerning thing for me is he he didn't offer gearby at virginia tech he didn't and he didn't offer Caleb he offered Caleb Brewer but didn't really recruit him which is kind of like well why 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 would you not recruit a kid like Kirby Lambert so i don't know what the heck is going on and and I don't want to raise the red flag too much right now or, or sound the alarm too much, because a lot of us we just don't know. We don't yes. know what the communication's been like with him and Gearby Lambert. We just know that it's just not where it was. Cause right now, if 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 Harry He stands still here, Caleb Brewer's committed in Notre Dame right now. Of that I have I zero so. doubt. I have I zero so. doubt. Yeah. And maybe maybe Gearby is. Now at offensive line, that's going to happen sometimes when you lose an offensive line coach, because that more than any position is, is built on the trust in the relationship with that position coach. Right. And so, uh, you know, maybe coach R- Rudolph didn't feel that gearby Lambert was a realistic option and that's why he didn't recruit him. I don't know. Maybe he knew how tight gearby was with Notre Dame and Penn state and said, Hey, we're just not going to waste my time there. Maybe that's the case. It's not so much that he didn't evaluate him. So I want to be clear. I don't know why he didn't offer him at Virginia tech. And I don't know why Gearby hasn't taken any visits now, but just the reality is, is, is it is, it is concerning. Yes. Now, some positive things. I do think they're making moves to grant bricks, Ryan. I have, I have, have, you know, done some film study of him. You and I have talked about this. I, I like this junior film a lot more than the sophomore film. Yep. My only question with him for you would be: I see a lot of people listing him as a guard, and and I'm and and I get that off sophomore film, but off junior film, he looks like a tackle to me. Yep. in my opinion, and a physical player. So that's one where they're making some headway there with a kid from Iowa makes me feel a little bit better about where things are going uh, than than I did before. So he's a kid that I've definitely, my opinion of him has grown quite a bit since I've really dove into the junior film, uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done there. There's no doubt, but at least you feel like okay, that's a more viable option. I, I, like this, I like him a whole lot better than I like Kevin Haywood as a player, for example. Same, same. Uh, so uh, you know, so we'll see how they finish, but it's it's a concern. It is a concern as of right now. And,
2: and even if you get Grant Bricks and one other not named Gerby Lambert, the the question is still going to be there is do you have a left tackle in that class? Like That's a that's a major thing yeah. for me because I think Grant Brooks could play right tackle in the next level. I think he could play pretty easily. I mean, he literally plays it now in high school, but can he play left tackle? I have questions there, right? I mean, right. Anthony Knapp, can he play left tackle? I, I have questions. Like There's those the questions out there. So I, I think really, I mean, and we talk about, you know, whether Joe Walt and Blake Fisher are going to be back for a fourth year and Emil Wagner continuing to develop and the next left tackle at Notre Dame. I think the, the, if, if I was a betting man, the guy that I would predict to maybe not be there out of Fisher and all is Alt because he's the more accomplished player at this point, right? He's might go in the top 10 in next year's class. I mean, that's just an assumption that I'm going to make. So the future of the left tackle position is one at Notre Dame where you have a lot of question marks. I have a lot of questions about the future of the left tackle position at Notre Dame. And I think that, That's why Gerby Lambert matters so much because he's the one guy that's on the board that I say that's a left tackle on the next level. And again, like, will he, will it all work out? Will he develop properly? Like those questions are always there, but he has the frame, the size, the foot quickness, the length to look at and say, but he's going to play left tackle the next level. Is he going to be any good? We'll see, right? That that's the troubling part with with evaluating and projecting sometimes. But he has the makeup to play left tackle the next level. I'm just not sure if there's a ton of guys on Notre Dame's board that do at like easily translate to left you tackle know, the next level.
1: Well, and with Bricks, it's because he does doesn't pass block a ton. I mean, that's just the nature of the offense that they run. So. I I think he's a
2: little more athletic than Sullivan Absher, but very Sullivan Absher vibes on film as far as
1: his strengths. How he's used. Yeah, I I do. I I completely agree with the notion that he's more athletic than, especially his junior film is more athletic than. He's got more of tackle traits. More explosive. It's just more of a, but we just don't see him do it a whole lot. So how can I possibly project a guy to left tackle that I've seen three times past set? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just hard to do. Let's move on to linebacker, Ryan, because linebacker is an interesting position when we talk about the finish because I feel better now than I did a month ago, but I still don't feel great about it. And there's there's some things that I think are happening that that I'm, I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. Uh, Michigan is trending very well with Cole Sullivan right now. As you know, I've come around on Cole Sullivan as being a good, solid prospect, but I've always said I don't want him and Bodie Cahoon in the same class, and I like Bodie Cahoon better than Cole Sullivan. Yeah, Cole Sullivan, my concern was, where does he play at Notre Dame? I actually think he's a better fit in the Michigan defense than I do the Notre Dame defense. The problem is, if you're not going to get Cole Sullivan, I feel good about where they are with Bodie Cahoon. The question is, but who else are you going to get? And that's that's where we're at right now. Obviously, Notre Dame is in a good position with Kingston, Viliama, Asa, but so is Ohio yeah. State, right? So the close yeah. is going to be important. I, I really believe it's going to come down to one of those two guys based on I agree. what I've been told and, and what you've been able to gather from talking to him. And so you've got to close there. That is an absolute must-get. This linebacker class will never reach, come close to expectations, in my opinion, if you don't get Kingston in the class. There's just nobody else on the board right now that that has the combination of floor and ceiling that he possesses. There's some ceiling guys in there, including the next guy I'm going to mention, but no one that has a combination of the two. Then there's other guys on the board. Chris Cole, right? There's Brian Huff. And then Al Washington this this past week since they've got on the road has gone out to see a lot of other 2024 linebackers. There's a lot of kids they're going out to see. So clearly they are trying to expand the board because it's not a given that they're going to be able to close on the guys that are on the board now. They have closed on none of them so far. You know we've we you've mentioned that Cody or Bodie Cahoon has talked about maybe moving his date up, but he hasn't done that yet, right? Uh, yeah. And so. Uh, Kingston is, is a guy that they're, they're doing a good job with, but there's still work to be done. So there's a lot of guys in this conversation, Ryan, that if, if they end up with Bodie Cahoon, Chris Kingston, uh, Viliama Asa, and one of Brian Huff or Chris Cole, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good with this linebacker class, especially if it's Chris Cole. Cause he's more of a Rover. And, and so, uh, but at the same time, I can't, I don't feel great that they're going to get even two of those th- four, much less three of those four at this point in time, just because you can't count out Ohio State when it comes to Kingston. Depending on who you talk to, there's Ohio State people that think they lead for Kingston. I personally think Notre Dame leads for Kingston, but either way, yeah. it's not it's not great. And the close is going to be important. So, linebacker recruiting right now is is, a, is is probably my second biggest question mark that I have. Actually, well, third biggest question mark. I think offensive line is still ahead of it and then safety is still my number one. My number one question mark.
2: I think linebackers very boomer bust in twenty twenty four to a degree, right? Because you're like, I mean, if you get to your point, Brian, if you get Bron- if you get a Kingston Villamoasa and you get a Bodie Cahoon, and then you get one of those other couple linebackers we talked about. I mean. I mean, I think the dream scenario is that you get Chris Cole as that third linebacker, right? So Because they would all, I think, fit together very well. I mean, that's a really good class, man. I mean, we're talking about Kingston, who's a top 100 football player in the 2024 class. You talk about Chris Cole, who I would argue might have five-star upside. Like, he's close, man, if not. Like, he might you, be four it's and not a
1: half. A, it's not an yeah. argument, Ryan. Yeah, It's not an argument. I mean, at least it's not going to be with me. It's, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Mm -hmm.
2: and especially seeing that kid in person man because i'm like that kid is athletic on film and then i saw his frame in person i'm like that kid's gonna be 6'3 230 and he's probably still gonna be able to play rover at that size because he's just so long everywhere man so you look at him with that upside he has and then the fact that Bodie Cahoon is just a good player like i mean just flat out if that's your third linebacker in a class you're, you're you're in a good spot there man like you're doing pretty well but the fact of the matter is is that Chris Cole has taken an official in June. That's great, right? You've, you've, you've made headway there, but it's not a foregone conclusion that Chris Cole ends up in this class. If you're Notre Dame
1: by any stretch, not even close to being a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And then you
2: got Kingston. Who's obviously visiting in June for an official visit. He's taking USC, Ohio state, Notre Dame. That's his top three. We believe that that is a Notre Dame, Ohio state battle when all is said and done, because I just feel like he's the type of kid that's going to leave home. Like I just don't see him playing in California but we shall see. So in theory, this could well, be a really and, good class.
1: And there's yeah. some other guys on the board too. Aaron yeah. Childs, somebody's brought up. Who's a yeah. stud? But there's, I mean, he's scheduled a visit, but I don't even know if he's going to still be uncommitted by the time we get to You know, and, and Never know. they're so far behind on that kid right now that it's, yep. you know, and, and it's telling that so far they've been on the road now day five and they've yet to go out and see Aaron Childs. I think that tells you everything you need to know about where Notre Dame thinks they are with him. I, I love them, but they're just... Oh, a great there's just never been much interest from him. And he set up a visit to Notre Dame, but it's like, okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if he yeah. actually makes it. I'm at the point now where it's like, if he, if he shows up on campus, I'm going to be surprised. I'll right. be very pleasantly and happily surprised, Sure, but I'll be surprised. <laughs> That's why we're not focusing on like Aaron Childs, like Sammy Brown's another one. They're not getting Sammy Brown. We're trying to They're be not. realistic with guys that are on the board right now. We could, cause we could have talked about Brandon Baker on the offensive line. They offered him. I guess anything can happen, but they're not going to get Brandon Baker, right? We're trying to give you realistic, realistic options right now. And Sammy Brown's not a realistic option at linebacker. Aaron Childs right now is not a realistic option at linebacker. And that's what makes it a little bit, a little bit challenging is that you've got to, this is one of those positions where you've got to hit the inside straight and that's hard to do in recruiting. And I'll say this, you know, Ryan, there's a chance that if you land the right guys, you're landing a class whose upside is every bit as good as the last two. Yeah. Because I'll stack Chris Cole's upside up against anybody that their names landed in recent years. Yeah. Now his floors on the lower side compared to other guys, but I'll put his upside up against anybody. And, you know, I mean, Bodie and, 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 um, Bodie and, and Kingston both have high upsides. I don't know. I, I don't have Kingston as a five-star upside guy right now, Ryan. I was like four and a half. I think he's like a top 50 kind of guy upside-wise. Yep. But he, he, it's it's very high. And and Bodie has some a very high upside as well. But you, you've got to hit the but, inside straight. Me. I mean, we're talking about four guys right now that we feel they have a legitimate shot at. Is that fair? Well, five. Because Cole Sullivan's still in there right now. I mean, yeah. they could turn things around. They thought they were going to lose Michael Gilbert a week before they got him as well. Sure, but Cole Sullivan, Kingston, Bodie, Chris Cole, Brian Huff, right now, to me, are the five most realistic options. Yeah, that, that I means you so. got to you got to bat over five hundred, and that's that's tough. I mean, that yeah. that's tough. That's going to be a tough close. I, I mean,
2: because if you don't get Kingston and you don't get Chris Cole, for instance, right, you know, I, I still think that they're going to have a tremendous chance at Bodie Cahoon, no matter what in that yeah. scenario. But then you're going to start to talk about if you can't make headway with a Brian Huff moving forward and you can't get back in the right spot with Cole Sullivan you might need to expand the board again, if that's a need that you need to hit, which is they've already expanded the board a lot. So it's, like, it's been, it's been, I mean, what is there like 28 linebackers that have been offered by Notre Dame this cycle? Like it's a, it's a large number. So uh, yeah, man, it's, it's one of those situations where we could be looking at a really good class. Or we could be looking at an underwhelming class. Like I just don't think there's too much in between on this one. Like they're either going to hit that inside straight, or they're going to strike out a couple times, and it's going to get a little hairy. That's just kind of how I see it. Yeah,
1: that's the boomer bust.
2: Boomer bust is the linebacker spot. I believe in twenty twenty four. Yep,
1: that's 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 where we're at. Let's talk safety recruiting, Ryan. This to me is probably the biggest question mark that I have. It's either this or offensive line to me. And obviously getting Kennedy Erlacher is a great start, but you need at least two more. And I think there's an argument to be made that possibly four, as long as one of those guys is a potential maybe move somewhere else kind of guy. But th- three is the uh, f- three is the number I'm good with. If they can flip K- Caleb Beasley, I'm good with three. Yeah. Good with three safeties. If you can't flip Caleb Beasley or get Aaron Scott, and I, I have zero confidence in them getting Aaron Scott right now. I, I mean, I think he likes Notre Dame a lot. I just think he's always liked Michigan and Ohio State a lot more. That's just the reality of it. Looking at it, Ryan, outside of you, – you've got Kennedy Erlacher in the class. There's other guys on the board. Davis Andrews, DeWan Lane, uh, Paul Menke, Marquise Gallegos, who has faded uh, has faded a little bit. You've got Oliver Miles and did I mention Dewan Lane yet? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then they're going out tomorrow to see Jalen McClain. Now my hope is that they can somehow remind him of why he liked Notre Dame so much at the beginning and, and get him off of the NIL track, the, the, just the locked in focus on the NIL track. If they can get some movement when they go see him tomorrow, that would be great. Obviously, you know, let the coaches know and just get on the phone and talk to them and, just remind him of of the opportunities that Notre Dame presents him. Yes, we're not going to give you an upfront guaranteed amount of money, but trust me, look what our our last star safety made, right? That kind of thing. Made a million dollars in a year. So I think when you look at that, Ryan, that's a big one too. But right now I look at it and I'm like, I could see them getting any of those guys. I could see them landing all those guys, meaning each individual one, not all of them together. But I could also see them missing on all those guys as well. And with... Davis Andrews talking to you about possibly pushing this thing back a little bit. Yeah. That was the one that concerned me. Like, uh-oh. Like you're not you're having even trouble closing on Davis Andrews. You know, you start feeling a little bit shaky about it. So then you get in like Paul Menke. I like him a ton. I think like Oliver Miles is a guy that the staff's very high on. He's very athletic. I just don't necessarily see a great football player yet. I see more Ramon Henderson than I see Xavier Watts early on, just fine. There's a lot of guys on the board, but you know. I'm not sure who they're going to close on at this point in time, and that's that's the concerning one for me. And the other part of the the concern is the reason I'm a little bit more confident in O line and linebackers because number one track record. Joe Rudolph has a track record. Like so, to, part of me, at deep down, I'm like, I think they're going to be okay, even though I'm very concerned because of his track record. And as sure. as these kids go in the process and they get to know him better, the 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 pedigree is going to speak for itself, right? And linebacker, it's like, yeah, once Marcus Freeman starts really ramping things up and get and getting involved, and as these kids get to know Max Bull a little bit better, you know, that's gonna help as well. So there's at least there's a track record involved. Safety, with all due respect, Chris O'Leary's track record is not good as far as closing. It's not good at all. I mean, especially with top level prospects. I mean, he couldn't close on Xavier Nowakpa, he couldn't close on Peyton Bowen. And I don't fault him for that, but it it just is what it is. They didn't get Peyton Bowen. I mean I'm not saying, oh, Chris O'Leary screwed it up. I don't know what he could have done different, but the fact is he didn't get them, right? And and they got a Don Schul and Ben Mintz, who are good football players, but there's also a lot of high-level safeties last year that they did miss on. And so now you're in a situation where I like Kennedy Erlacher. He's a good football player, but you've got to build on top of Kennedy Erlacher, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. And I just, I don't know, I don't feel great about where they are in that regard with closing now the good news is there's a lot of really good safeties they're involved in right if they get two of davis andrews dewan lane uh paul menke um trying to think i'm forgetting some of the safes on the board jalen mcclain uh, eh, like to me gallegos is more on the kennedy urlacher level once you got kennedy for me gay gallegos would be off the board for me for me like that's the floor. Kennedy and Gallegos are the floor. Now that you got Kennedy, who I think is a better player than Marquise Gallegos, it's gotta be better than him. Or a guy like Oliver Miles, who is not a better safety than him right now, because he's more of an athlete, but at least has a really high ceiling. He's got really good size. He's over six one. He's got tremendous track times. Like tremendous track times. least it's got to be a guy like that. Uh, with a much higher ceiling, or a guy that's just a much better player, Dewan Lane and all those guys. If they get two of the group that I just mentioned of of Lane, Andrews, Menke, Miles, and Jalen McLean, which is where I think the board is. If I'm for, if I'm forgetting someone, Ryan, uh, let me know. But if you can get one of those guys, then two two of those guys, and then, then they're good. It's just right now. If I were to tell you who of that group do you think they're going to get, you, you'd let me guess. You'd say maybe Davis Andrews, and after that, I don't know. Yeah. Am I correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because I'm I'm like just working through my head a little bit. I mean, for a while I, I liked Notre Dame's chances with Jalen McLean, but we've talked about that obviously, that like that a little bit of that fade. Hopefully, Notre Dame can turn that one around to your point. Dewan Lane is a player that's interesting because there just didn't seem to be any traction early on. But obviously they got him to come on a visit and things seem to be going in a better direction there. But ultimately, man. This is a troubling area on this team. One, because you need numbers. Right. <laughs> You're in a bad spot. Yeah. I mean, They need to go into the transfer portal this offseason just because they the numbers are not great at the safety position. And then also, you've missed out over the last couple of years on a couple high-impact safeties on the back end yeah. from a recruiting perspective. Like, you need not only numbers, you need high-impact talents. You need it. So adding those both together with the fact that you not, the, the safety board is a little bit all over the place right now, that gives you some hesitation or some question marks that are going to follow, obviously. Again, this is another one where you could feel a lot better about it. If just one or two things go your way, you can feel a lot better about it. Or... The board might have to expand again. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And it's already is... starting to, right? I mean, they offered a kid today from Louisiana. Now, I don't know where they are. I also know that they're still recruiting Jason Mitchell. But, I mean...
2: Yeah, there's nothing there, though. You yeah, know, I, I, yeah, I
1: he, I, he, put him in the... He, he's talked about visiting for an official this summer. Yeah. But the reality is, I put him in the same category as Aaron Childs. Okay, sure, I'll believe it when I see it, number one. But number two, just because you're coming on official, like Richard Young came on an official. Yes, you know, like what does that mean?
2: Wasn't that the most random official of all time, yeah, by the way? It was. It was, it, was.
1: <laughs> it was. Um, you know, but the reality is is, is they've got to they've got to close strong. Now, again, there's good guys on the board. I'm not I'm not worried about the board. I, I like the board, Ryan. It's just I don't have a lot of faith right now that they're gonna be able to close on that board because there's two problems working against you. Number one is Chris O'Leary for whatever reason just hasn't been able to close on those guys. Let's just be honest, he hasn't. And, and I would argue that if you look at the two guys they got last year, other coaches played as big of a role as those guys getting their name as Chris O'Leary did. Not that he doesn't deserve any credit. He does deserve credit. But you you got to know Adon Schuler very well. Marcus Freeman not being the head. If Nar- Marcus Freeman is not the head coach, I don't know that Adon Schuler's at Notre Dame, especially once the Georges and the Bamas in those schools. Like when he committed Notre Dame, he wasn't planning on committing. It was just a combination of Notre Dame being Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman being Marcus Freeman, being Marcus Freeman, right? Chad yes. Bowden had a huge role in getting Ben Minich to Notre Dame. Now, Coach O'Leary played a role as well. I'm not trying to take it away from him, but he hasn't shown himself to be that dynamic recruiter that can go out and do that. Very good position coach, in my opinion, but just hasn't been able to sell himself the way that you'd think a guy that, developed a first round NFL draft pick and, and has, you know, got the production he got out of the roster they had last year has turned a converted corner and a converting wide receiver into a safety tandem that went out and helped you beat South Carolina just hasn't tracked. Hopefully this is the year that that happens. And if, you know, give me Davis Andrews and Dewan Lane or, or Davis Andrews and Paul Menke or Dewan Lane and Paul, I mean, there's a lot of combinations that can make this really work, Ryan. And it's just going to be a very important thing to get that done. It, it, you know, very important. And it's probably the position I'm the least confident in right now, just based on track record. But I do like the fact that it's a good board right now. Yeah. It, it is a really good board right now. And you're right, though. They may need to expand it as they try to find it, which, is, which would get – if you start seeing them throwing out a bunch of safety offers, get worried. Because yeah. it means they don't think they're going to close on the guys that they have. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch, obviously, because, again, this is one of those not quite as boomer bust as linebacker, because I actually think the linebacker position, if they close on the couple of guys we talked about, I think it could be have a little bit of a higher ceiling than what the safety position is going to end up being if they hit like a little bit of a home run there. But I still think that you are it's there's not a lot of middle ground for this safety class, in my opinion, like this is either going to be a good to very good safety class, or it's going to be an underwhelming safety class where you're going to have to go to some plan B or plan C options. Like that's kind of where you are with the safety position. And to your points, Brian, there have been some questionable recruiting from Al Washington that we've talked about in the past. There's been some questionable recruiting from Al golden in the past, but you know what both those guys have done before in their careers at some point, they have recruited at a nice level. They have at times, right? Chris O'Leary, you have no proof that he can recruit at a high level. You have zero proof about it. I, I, I think that there's a lot of proof that he can coach football well, which is great. But we know that college football is not just a on-field experience, right? Like that's the NFL, guys. The NFL, that's about being able to coach and put guys in proper position and be able to win that way. But college football is predicated on recruiting at a high level as well and it, it, there is some question marks obviously at the safety position but the other position that we have question marks on you mentioned Joe Rudolph as well right Joe Rudolph has recruited very well at times in his career Al Golden has recruited very well at times right. in his career Al Washington has recruited very well at times in his career before Notre Dame Chris O'Leary there's just not a track record and there's not something to give you optimism that he can get it turned around there's just it's question marks right now, and you can't yep. can't lie to yourself about that. There is question marks. Doesn't mean that he can't prove you wrong, right? It can't pr- can't mean doesn't mean that he can't be a really good recruiter, but until he does, there are question marks, which is okay. Yep. It's just that's the facts, though. It's a, it is a fact right now.
1: If he can if he can land a really good class this year, you're, I think it could be some the start of something. That's the big thing with Chris O'Leary is because if he can start getting higher level players his ability to coach is going to start shining through even more. And that's the thing is like, look, if he can, you know, develop a Don and Ben Minich and and if Xavier has the jump that we hope that he can have, and then you can, if you're able, I don't care. I don't care if Chris O'Leary gets zero credit for bringing in the safety class this year. I don't care. Get him good safeties because I think the guy can coach. That's the thing. I think the guy can flat out coach. I just don't know if he can bring in the best, you know, the top players. Like with Mike Mickens, Mike, Mike Mickens can flat out coach, but he's also proving he can flat out recruit as well. Yes. Chancy Stuckey has proven he can recruit at a high level. His coaching has been good so far. We need to see it take another jump next year. So, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's the dual threat aspect of it that is needed. Dylan McCullough has shown he can do both at a very high level. Yep. And, and, you know, the guys that aren't doing either or both of those need to step up. Chris O'Leary I think has done a very good job coaching, but, Talent acquisition is is just as important as coaching, in my opinion, especially the skill position. And I don't care about top hundred guys. Give me talented guys, wherever they're ranked, and 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 I'll feel good about it because I do feel like he's a coach that can can maximize the ability of his players. And that's going to be an interesting thing, Ryan. I, I want to finish up with this. Let's talk about one one potential surprise recruit. Who could who could you see someone right now that we just don't think Notre Dame's in a great shot at? right now on both sides of the ball that we could see Notre Dame getting when it's all said and done so let's start on the offensive side of the ball so a guy that again not a guy that they're second for right now that we think they're going to get but maybe someone that we're not talking a lot about or or that people aren't talking enough about or a guy that we don't is not someone that people are trending to Notre Dame those type of things on each side of the ball. I have mine Brian on offense, I'll let you start off and and give me yours just in case. So I don't want to steal your thunder in case we have the same guy.
2: I think it's got to be one of the running backs. Like it has to be on offense because the way I look at it right now, Brian is if you do push the wide receivers to four, I feel pretty good about Notre Dame getting Jason Robinson. And we've talked about that a ton. Tight end wise, it remains to be seen if you are going to push that number to two or not. So that is a little bit of a question mark. Offensive line wise for me, like, it wouldn't shock me if they got Kirby Lambert it Wouldn't shock me at all. Like it, it would just be like, okay, that's cool. They, they did pull that one off for me. It's gotta be one of the running backs. Cause yes, things appear to be in a good spot with Keatron young out of Texas, but I mean, he's never been on campus yet. He would only have taken an official to Notre Dame in June, obviously. And you're still getting a, a high quality back out of Lufkin, Texas. Like that matters, right? So I think whether it is Keatron young or Anthony Carey, I think that would be monumental for Notre Dame. And I think that would be a slight surprise for me because I just look at it and I say, we're talking about a running back out of the state of Texas and we're talking about a running back out of the state of Florida. Like there's a lot of competition for those two players. So if Notre Dame gets either one of those running backs, I think that that would be a little bit of an upset. And I think that that would be monumental for them. And I just offensively just, I feel like the class is like outside of, 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 maybe one more wide receiver and an offensive lineman on top of the running backs, a couple offensive linemen, your, your offensive class is almost done, man. Like you're almost, you're almost ready to kind of call this thing quit. So right. I really think it's one of the two running backs, man. Take keedron Young or Anthony Carey, either one. I think that that would be a bit of an upset for Notre Dame.
1: Kedron Young is, was my pick just because of the Texas aspect. I mean, there's a lot of good schools in Texas that want that kid. That would be mine. And we don't talk about, we haven't talked, we don't talk about it a, a, a ton. Defensively, Ryan, who is your guy? I mean,
2: Caleb Beasley would be the guy for me. I mean, I, I we, we talk about him, so this one isn't like a perfect fit into this category. But I don't think we talk about it enough, the fact that there are a lot of tea leaves around this one, Brian, where you're like, although – he is committed to the university of Tennessee an in state school, a school that he grew up obviously with a deep knowledge of and a fan of, right. And the fact that they are, have some momentum as far as the, the what they're developing under Josh Heupel over there keeps talking to Notre Dame, man goes on a visit to Notre Dame. I think that there is legitimate smoke there. And although it's not one where I would necessarily predict it today to flip at some point, I still think there is a legitimate chance that you get a Caleb Beasley down the road, so he would 100% be mine on defense. Because again, I just feel like, you know, I, I could have went Elijah Rushing. He was the other sure. way I was going to go because that one is, yes, you're in the game, but it's not necessarily you're in a great position for. But everyone's talking about Elijah Rushing right now. I think that not enough people are talking about the fact that Caleb Beasley still talks to Notre Dame and talks to him a lot, yeah. and that is. That says a lot. I think it says a lot for just how much respect he has for Marcus Freeman and the staff.
1: Yeah, that's a that's see, the the Caleb Beasley one for me obviously is cuz I talk about him so much. I just don't view him as a surprise. You know, I, that that just for me Percy. I, I think you make good arguments. I I think for me I I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a guy that would be a surprise. I mean, obviously we talked about Chris Cole. I don't think that'd be a surprise. I don't I think Elijah rushing would be a surprise if he did it right now, but I think by the time we get to the visit, it, we'll, we'll know if Notre Dame's a player. And it, you, won't you know, be a who would be my
2: second on the list? Yeah. And a different guy is is Malachi Williams. Would be, yes. I, I think, still a surprise. That's right? where I mean, was going
1: to kind of go. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, because I mean, yeah, with,
1: with Elijah Ryan, it was he had Notre Dame in very high regard early. It's now yes. getting back to that. With yep. Malachi, it was like he just doesn't seem to be all that excited about Notre Dame, right? And Penn State seems to be the team that's out in front and. This doesn't seem to be a lot of interest there. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, you're actually in the game now. I'd be much more surprised if they got him than I would uh, Logan Thomas or even Elijah Rushing, the same, uh, yeah. honestly. Be- the other one to I, me is – go ahead, yeah. Ryan.
2: I was just going to say for Malachi, too, it's because he's a, he's a Pennsylvania guy he's from Drexel Hill, which is just outside of Philadelphia. It's like a suburb of Philadelphia. And for people that aren't around this area a ton – This is very pro Penn state country where where I live, right? Like very pro Penn state country. And I'll say this. I think that Notre Dame has a chance with Malachi because obviously he's planning an official visit now to Notre Dame after going on an unofficial, but this is one where the big reason that he even went to Notre Dame in the first place is because his coach and his mom, (laughs) like those are the big reasons, right? Like this wasn't necessarily a Malachi decision to go see Notre Dame he was urged to go see Notre Dame because he is a good fit with the program. Which is what
1: happened with Micah Gilbert, if we're being honest. And he ended up in the class. Uh, That happened with Kenny Minchie. Kenny Minchie uh, sat down with him when he did an interview at Notre Dame, and he explained, like, I didn't really know a lot about Notre Dame or or really know a lot about the tradition. My parents were the ones that encouraged me to look at Notre Dame. And, and, And then, of course, once he did, fell in love, and he ended up at Notre Dame but you see that a lot more now because again, most of these kids are 16 to 18 years old yep. and Notre Dame has, I mean, think about it. Charlie Weiss's first year in Notre Dame in 05. kids that were born in 05 are now like 17, 18 years old.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Think yep. They were born in Charlie Weiss's first year. The kids that are being recruited now weren't even alive when Ty Willingham was the coach, much less Lou Holtz. Right. And so, that tradition is still alive more in the parents than it is the kids. And then of course the kids learn to respect the tradition and all that kind of stuff. And Notre Dame's recent success has been good. And so to me, uh, my surprise, however, is going to be a safety. It's either going to be Dewan Lane or a guy that's not really a guy we think is going to be. And I don't know who it is, but there's going to be some, I'm predicting that some safety that we're thinking Notre Dame doesn't have a shot at right now, whether it's DeWan Lane Jalen McLean or some, you know, Jason Mitchell, like right now would floor me if Jason Mitchell even showed up this summer, much less pick Notre Dame. There's going to be some safety like that, that we don't know about that's going to end up eventually jumping on board. That's my surprise pick. That could also be a little bit more wishful thinking, Ryan, than it is necessarily a surprise prediction. But I just have this feeling that that's going to happen as we move forward. And I think a lot of it's going to be because, those guys are going to see what's being built in front of them. Yeah. And and it's going to be like, okay, I don't know a lot about this guy, O'Leary, but you know he seems to have done a pretty good job here. Kyle Hamilton speaks highly of him. But, man, look at that D-line they're putting together. Man, look at that linebacking class they're putting together. Boy, they got some pretty good corners that they've recruited. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be the thing that's ultimately going to allow Notre Dame to close on somebody big at safety. That's it's going to surprise us all.
2: Jason yeah. Mitchell is a really interesting one, Brian, if that ended up being that way. Because one thing is that he was a, he played at Sarah, but he transferred to St. John Bosco for his senior year. So if they get Kingston, Villiamuasa, it's like, mm,
1: talk to your boy, man.
2: Talk to You your see boy. what I'm saying? So like, that's yeah. what I'm like, dude, yeah. they
1: got Justin Scott. They got Kingston. They got, you know, they got Logan Thomas or Elijah rushing or Malachi Williams or, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, hold on a second now. Well, yeah. let's, let's look at this thing. If they if they flip Caleb Beasley or something like that, think think the momentum that would come there. So I think it'll be something like that. That'll, that'll be the thing that, that kicks them over. And, and I really feel, and I could be completely wrong about this, completely wrong about this. But when I, when I look at this group, Ryan, I, I look at it like this. I believe that once Chris O'Leary kicks the door down from a recruiting standpoint, it's going to be a flood. I, I yeah. really do. Once he because I think what it's it's gonna signify a couple things. Number one is he's finding his recruiting group. Because what you have to understand about Chris O'Leary, Chancy Stucky didn't have a very long track record of recruiting, but Chancy Stuckey was a big recruit. And Chancy Stucky played the NFL for a number of years. Yep. He has a, he has big time experience. Chris O'Leary came to Notre Dame from a division two school at Florida Tech. He played at Indiana State. This big time football is new to him in a lot of ways, and he's still learning how to communicate with these guys. That you know, Marcus Freeman played at Notre Dame. I mean, excuse, me, played at Ohio State, right? Al Washington played at Boston College. Al Golden played at Penn State. Chancey Stuckey played at at uh, Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Gino was a is the all time passing leader at Cincinnati, right? He's Dylan McCullough played at. Where did he play at? Dylan played at was it Miami of Ohio? Miami Ohio, yeah. Okay, yeah. but he's he was a D one he guy. He's won a Super Bowl. He's coached at USC. He's coached in the Big Ten. The point being, all these guys had a, some level of a track record. Mike Mickens was the, was the closest thing you could get to it, but even because he was at Cincinnati and Bowling Green. But again, he played at Cincinnati under Brian Kelly. Yeah. He played on some really good teams there. And O'Leary's still really young too, yes. man. Like he's a very young guy right. Still. I think he's yeah. still learning. Right? Yeah. So people say, why do you give him a pass? Because Al Washington's 35, 36 years old, who's been coaching a decade. Chris O'Leary is like 27, who was a GA two years ago. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm going to give him a little bit more of a pass. But I feel like if he does kick the door down, it means a couple things. Number one is the kids are finally buying into the product on the field. They're saying like, wow, that guy did a good job getting that guy able right. to play. Like, what can he do with me? But it also would mean that he has found his way. How do you? people have asked, how do you be a good recruiter? It's just about, can you relate and communicate? And a lot of young coaches think relating means when I, I'll just be honest, when I'm a white coach talking to a black kid, I got to change how I talk. I got to pretend like I like music that he likes to somehow like demean myself because that's the only way. No, what those kids like is genuineness right? Some of the best recruiters I know don't like rap music, don't, but they're genuine, they're real, they're open, they care about these kids, right? And it's about, I'm not saying Chris O'Leary does that, I'm using an example. It's about how do I relate to these kids? How do I communicate to them? How do I build that connection with them that can get them to trust me when I don't have the track record that Kirby Smart Staff has of developing players? That, that, Alabama staff has it developing players That Ohio state staff is developing players. How do I get that? And once he figures that out and he gets comfortable in that way, and then the results start showing on the field, I think that's when you see the floodgates open, when he finds his happy place as a recruiter then I think he's going to take off. Cause I think he's a very good position coach. I mean, there's a reason Marcus Freeman wanted this guy because the backstory there is he was the, I think analyst or GA that worked with the rovers. And Marcus Freeman's, uh, like, kind of, I think the year before Marcus Freeman was hired, because Chris O'Leary coached safety is in 2021, correct, as well? Yeah. It, and and it was like he did a really good job with Jeremiah Moa. There was this great reputation, and the players loved him. And so that's why Marcus Freeman chose him over some other more experienced safety candidates when it came down to who's going to be the new safety coach under Marcus Freeman. And then Coach Freeman kept him in his first year as the head coach. There's a reason he sees a lot of potential there, but eventually that potential has got to turn into results in both areas. But I really feel like once he figures it out and gets comfortable in kind of his own skin as a recruiter, I think the results are going to start being really impressive because I think the guy can flat out coach and he's, and, and the kids love him. So like he can relate to players that he knows that are there. I think he's a very honest, genuine guy. It's more of how do I strike this up from some kid? I don't know. And build it that way. That's a different animal, man. And I'm telling you that take, that takes some time to get to know, especially like I did it at the division three and one double a level. That's a whole different animal than trying to do it to some kid that just got off the phone with Nick Saban and Kirby smart. Believe me. Right. (laughs) And that's new to him because he came from Florida tech. Right. And, and, um, so I, that's where I'm coming from. I just think I think the light's going to go on, he's just going to connect with some kid and then that kid's going to surprise everybody and come and then I just think the floodgates open at that point in time. That's how That's gonna... that's that's where I'm seeing.